A few weeks ago, we uh, read the story from Genesis in which God makes a covenant with Abraham. And uh, this is called the Abrahamic covenant. Um, Self-explanatory. And um, today what we are hearing is a fulfillment of that covenant, or at least part of the ongoing story of God fulfilling it. So uh, when we looked at that Abrahamic covenant a few weeks ago, there were three parts to it. Um, One, God promised Abraham that Abraham would have many descendants, as many as there are stars in the sky or grains of sand. Uh, Two, that God would stay in relationship with those descendants. And three, that God would give to those descendants the promised land, the land of Canaan. Now, this is within the story. This is five, six hundred years later. Um, Well, no, probably longer than that, because I forget how long Abraham is supposed to have lived, but it was a very long time. Anyhow, so this is much later in the story. So since then, uh, Abraham has had a son, Isaac. Isaac has had a son, Jacob. Jacob had had 12 sons, youngest of whom was uh, second youngest of whom was Joseph. They wind up in Egypt. They get enslaved there. They spend four years there. Boom, here we are, Moses. Um, I sometimes think uh, there's great comedic potential in, you know, doing the Bible in 20 minutes or something, you know, like rattling through all the stories. Anyhow, so here we are today. We have the descendants of Abraham. They've certainly become numerous. So that part has come true. Uh, We see God remembering God's people in suffering. So again, God is staying in relationship with them. And we see God saying, okay, now is the time. This is the time I'm going to take you out of Egypt and I'm going to lead you to the promised land. Now, we know that a few things happen along that journey to the promised land. And there's, there's this, you know, 40-year detour in the desert, but what we see is God living out God's promises in action. So that's the first thing to note about our passages today. We see that generations later, centuries later, God does not forget. God is remembering God's promises and God is taking them seriously. So this is good news. This is good news, especially like for we humans who who live, um, you know, just the blink of an eye in the span of creation, in the larger picture of things. Our time is short, and this, in some ways, is a gift because the fact that it's finite asks us to give thanks and be grateful and be present, and we cannot take for granted our lives here. The difficulty sometimes is that we are not always around to see God's promises fulfilled. And that is hard. That is hard. In the last couple of weeks, we have remembered those who have and do offer their lives in the service of a greater cause. We have remembered the saints who have been part of our lives. And I think sometimes, especially of those who were, who were old, when World War II came around, who were old enough to have remembered World War I 
and to remember the, the heartbreak and the tragedy of that, and then to see it happen all over again. And then especially those who didn't live to see, you know, victory in Europe or victory in Japan. We know it happened, but they, in the circumstances of their lives, did not. And that is hard. You know, those who have died during COVID, those who have not been able to see the end of this, that is hard. And that, that is and that, too, I think, is encompassed in this story, because all the generations of Israelites who didn't live to see the promised land, who got out of Egypt but maybe died in the desert on the way. That's hard. And I want to recognize that, because the larger part of this covenant or one of the realities of this covenant that God makes with God's people is that while it is steadfast, it asks something of us. And that something is trust. And trust can be the hardest thing sometimes. It's vulnerable it is subject to fear and anxiety. But that is what God asks of us. And in some ways, it's so small, right? Because it's not like God says, all right, so if you tick these boxes, then I will be your God. But at the same time, it's the biggest thing because it is such an all-encompassing part of our lives. It, it asks so much of us because hard things happen and we are in the middle, we are often in the middle of hard things, whether it's COVID, whether it's the second world war in 20 years, it's hard. So, and that's what struck me about looking at this covenant story this time. Because the beauty of this story is that God says, um, uh, from our first reading, say therefore to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will free you from the burdens of the Egyptians and deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. There's no conditions here. Right. God doesn't say, OK, so look, let's make a deal. I'll be your God. But first, I need you to, you know, meet these deadlines. First, I need you to shape up. First, I need you to get smarter, stronger, more faithful, more artistic, more productive. There's none of that. And let's remember, these are enslaved people. Right? These are nobodies. God does not look around and say, all right, so who's the best? I'm going to choose them to be my people. God says, who needs me? Those are the people I'm going to take. And there are no conditions here. You will be my people. I will be your God. That's it. So this is good news for us. Because we are not required to meet a benchmark before God thinks we're good enough. And sometimes I think that is the 
hardest message to hear. What like because we all carry our our soft underbellies, right? That are vulnerable. We all have our shame. We all have areas of our lives where we wish we were better, better parents, better ministers, better workers, better whatever it is. We wish we were better. That's not wrong, right? We are called to live in love. And that is something for which we always want to be, to which, which, to which, towards which we always want to be turning. It's that love and acting in greater love and having greater compassion on ourselves and others. There's always room to grow. But it's never a condition of God's love. God just says, I'm going to be your God. I don't know if you want me to be your God, but I'm going to be your God. Tough luck. And then we come to to later in the story, chapter 19. So they've left Egypt. They're in the wilderness. And it's time to meet God face to face. And this is kind of a big deal. And so first God calls Moses up. And and God says to him, all right, this is what you're going to tell to the house of Jacob, to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. So tick, God fulfills God's promises. I will redeem you with an outstretched arms and mighty acts of judgment. How I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So now it's just God and the people in the desert. Okay, now listen to this part. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Oh, so here we have an if showing up. God sounds like God is making it conditional. This is your half the bargain. This is my half the bargain. So spoiler alert. (laughs) There should be, did it pop up as a box? We've got music playing in the church. Did it pop up as a box? There should be a little uh, pause button. There you go. Ta-da! Music did. No, that's okay. That was the Holy Spirit being like, everybody pay attention to what Francis is about to say. (laughs) Um, So here we have an if showing up. Now it sounds like it's conditional. Spoiler alert. The Israelites don't keep their half of the bargain. The next I think it's like 37 chapters of the Old Testament have the theme of God saying again and again to the Israelites, you have turned away from me. You are not trusting me. You are not sticking with me. God sends God's prophets to say, turn back, turn back to God. But here's the thing. God never walks away. God, even when the people do not keep their half of the bargain, God still shows up. God is in this forever. God has said, you will be my people, I will be your God. And God does not stop being our God, no matter how badly the Israelites screw up. Now, yes, God gets hurt. God gets mad. And there are themes of... of, suffering 
to explore about, about what, what the Israelites go through. But God never, ever leaves. God goes with the people when they go into exile in Babylon. God, God comes back with the, with the people when they return to their homeland. God sticks around no matter how badly the Israelites screw up. Well, hallelujah, because I don't know about you, but I screw up all the time, all the time. So this is good news again. God does not walk away. But what God asks for always, again and again, when God sends God's prophets, God says, I don't need you to be powerful. I don't need you to be perfect. I just need you to be in this with me. I just need you to trust me. And that is always what the prophets call for. Turn back to God in trust. It is not easy. But it's not a condition of God's love. It's a response to God's love. And we respond with trust because that is the way of wholeness and healing for us as well. This is not God saying that you need to tick this box before I love you. This is God saying, I have created you to be a people of faith, to be my treasured possession, to be a light unto the nations. And you will do that not by being perfect, but by trusting me, by staying with me, by letting me heal you and love you and fill in all the jagged edges and all the cracks where your pain and suffering come out. Stick with me. So friends, we know the endings that have gone before. We know the endings of many of the stories in this book. We know what happens to the people of Israel when they get to the promised land. We know that there was eventually victory in Europe. We know that troops came home and we know that others didn't. But there are still stories to which we don't know the end. We don't know the ending of COVID. We don't know the reparations of relationships and healing that might still happen in our lives. We don't know the miracles that can happen after we leave this earth. But my friends, I promise you, and every ancestor in faith that for whom you lit candles two weeks ago, and every ancestor in faith who bequeathed to us these stories, they promise us that God is trustworthy, that trust in God is the only thing that will get us through. And that even when we aren't around to see the ending, God's story, is continuing in the lives of God's people. Thanks be to God.